By the time you finish this ad, 1,157 people will have planned their travel on Skyscanner. Skyscanner is here to make travel simple while finding you the best deals. From flights and hotels to car rentals, we bring everything together in one place so you can plan the perfect trip from D.C. and beyond. Discover why over 100 million travelers trust us every month. Search Skyscanner or download the Skyscanner app today. Hello and welcome to today's Success Life Radio. And this special edition of Success Life Radio is a fun friend Friday edition. I was able to have my guest Susan New on Fun Friend Friday, the Facebook channel, this Friday. And to be honest, we had all kinds of technical issues between audio and video and logging in and logging out. I don't know. I think the IT gods were against us. So what I chose to do instead was to sit down and move all of that content into one place, this podcast, so I could share it with you and those on Facebook that may have gotten a little bounced around by the technology. So this is a Fun Friend Friday edition with my guest Susan Liu, whose book is titled One-Armed But Not Unarmed. About midway, you may hear a little pause or a little break, and that's where the video and audio cut out, and then we sign back in. But I promise you, if you listen in to the whole thing, there's some valuable lessons about somebody overcoming a really challenging struggle of losing an arm at 22 and learning how to adapt to life in a new way and develop a winning mindset. So sit back, relax, enjoy this sort of blooper reel of Fun Friend Friday packed with wonderful content and information. Welcome to the Success Life Live, the personal and practical show for those who are ready to build a life of success with your host, Eric G. Reed. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Success Life Live. My name is Eric Reed, and yes, we're doing everything completely different this morning. Um, we had a bit of an IT issue, and one of the things I always try and coach you guys is always have a backup plan, always have a left and a right plan, always be able to duck and dive and figure something out. So according to me, we are broadcasting live. I apologize if I'm not as great at getting the comments because as I just said, I've never done it this way before and it will take me a few minutes. As you can see, we have my guest, Susan Wynn is here. Say good morning, Susan, because I'm going to jump over here and just double check everything on the Facebook world. Good morning, everyone, and happy Friday. Is it Friday? I feel like it should be another Monday. Oh, it is Friday, my friend, and I'm so excited. <laughs> I, yeah, it's funny because um, I remember, well, I remember like it was a lifetime ago. It's summer vacation. My kids would get off the bus and they'd like, yay, it's Friday, it's Friday. I'm like, oh, God, it's Friday. <laughs> like that means you're going to be home all weekend and I've got to entertain you and keep you company and all of the other things that go with being a dad during the day. And so I just checked, we look good on the Facebook side. So welcome everybody. Um, I'm glad you're here in the room. Like I said, we had to switch technology and I don't think that's gonna interrupt this amazing uh, visit that Suzanne went. I think I'm trying to figure saw you first. Was it through another? I know I saw your YouTube video and connected to you that, but I can't remember where we first connected. I feel like it was through Greg Storch, right? Um, I've heard so many great things about you, and he did mention um, the show and how wonderful it is, and I believe I just reached out to you to see if we could connect, um, and um, we're here now. You did. That's it, because then you said, I was finishing up my book. I would love for you to read it. Copy of the book, people. Let me make sure I get it right. There we go. It's um, one-armed, but not unarmed. And just to prove, you see, I, I read it. See how, like, I got bent pages and everything in it. Um, and I got to tell you, so tell a little bit about why you titled it One-Armed, But Not Unarmed. Okay. Um, well, at the age of 22, I was involved in a car accident where I lost my dominant arm, my right arm, um, and I went through just a world of depression, and it was a very dark time for me, and um, 
I, and there are many times where I just wasn't sure if I was going to make it out alive. I just went through a ton in my life. And um, fast forward, I wanted to share my story and write this book. And um, one of my, well, my best guy friend, Hui, um, him and I were brainstorming on a title. And um, he actually helped me come up with this, which is so powerful, I believe, because I feel like one arm, but not unarmed. To me, it sounds, to me, it resonates because it's, although I have my left hand, I have one arm. I still feel like I have both at times because I do not let it interfere with my life and I try not to use it as an excuse. Um, so I will be innovative. I'll be creative. I'll figure out ways to do the same things that you're doing. I may be a little bit slower, but I will get there. So I'm always daily being creative and trying to see how I could get to that point, but just a little bit different. It, it's and it's funny because in your book, you talk about learning to put a hair clip in and some other typical daily tasks. And some people know that my daughter is disabled and she, her right arm is, she calls it her bad arm because it doesn't do what it's supposed to. It's lazy. And I'm a really bad dad. Anybody that thinks differently should live in our house for 24 hours. I never figured, thought that I would have to show her how to use a bottle because I just figured that was a natural thing kids did, which makes me a bad dad. But then again, only having one arm. So as she figured out, she would scoop the bottle to her chest, bend down, bite the nipple, throw it out, grab it with the bottom hand and start drinking. And she's been that way all her life. I'm sure that as you went from 22, it was not as natural because you were first having to unlearn a pattern and then learn a pattern. Absolutely. It was extremely difficult because I've gone on for 22 years having both hands and being able to do everything. And it was super convenient, right? So when that was taken away, I literally had to just retrain my brain to do everything with one hand. And it was extremely tough. Um, I remember, I clearly remember moments where I just wanted to give up. I was like, this is, this is so hard. It shouldn't be this hard, right? So we start feeling sorry for ourselves and the situation that we're in. It's completely natural. Woe is me. Um, but then I just reached a turning point where I wanted to stop feeling sorry for myself and stop being bitter because being bitter is extremely exhausting. Um, so I just, after that turning point, I decided to, to, to continue to be me, but even be the better version of me um, and to learn how to do things on my own um, which was pretty cool. I mean, until this day, I'm learning to do certain things on my own. I, I like not being able to ask for any help or ask anyone for a hand. But I'm so, cute. <laughs> so um, you know, it's tough. It's never easy. It really isn't. However, I try not to focus on the best because I feel like if I do, then it'll just bring me back to that part in my life. So I just keep going. So when you say I tried to move from being bitter to better, that's not like a, a one minute decision. That's a process. What was the process? Like, how did you say, okay, okay, this is not working because there had to be setbacks along the process. little bit but um, I did write about it in my book but um, and I'm sure you read that part as well but uh, just being angry at the world and uh, I got in trouble with the law right went out 
one night with some girlfriends and uh, one thing led to another. Some words were exchanged <laughs> and We move forward, um, you know, really finding something I love to do as well. Um, you know, I love going to the beach. I love the sound of the ocean. So I would take my time and do that on my own. I started journaling. So it's a really long process. It definitely does not help happen overnight. But if you are determined, You are listening to The Success Life Live with Eric G. Reed. Please take a minute and comment, subscribe, like, or follow our show. And to stay up to date on events and teaching, check out ericgreed.com. All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Yes, we are doing this again. Why? Because sometimes technology is not your friend. I tell you, we were broadcasting, we were having this great little conversation. I was learning so much about our guest, Susan New, and all of a sudden I was like, okay, this isn't going out to everybody. This is just her and I having a little casual coffee chat. We're like, you know, on our first date, and I thought, well, let's shut down, restart, and re-go. So again, you guys, I want you to understand it's never going to be perfect. You are going to wish and want that everything you do in life, especially anything you do on social media and in your business, as you begin to launch change, you're going to beg and plead that it goes perfectly. You're going to like hold yourself to such a standard. You're going to be frozen in time. I am just living witness that it never goes perfectly, but it always goes in a direction that you need it to. So I've learned, Susan learned this morning, a couple new technology tricks and tri tips. We've discovered some new things. We are in a growth mindset, right? Yep. And we're moving forward. So I'm gonna have you quickly go over again. I've got your book. I always like try and make sure, there we go. One armed, but not unarmed. At 22, you're cruising out with your girlfriends. You looking good. You smelling good. You got the right shoes on. You're hanging with your friends. And you're like, let's go across town to see who's over at the other side. And life changes. Yeah. So it, it really does. Um, it was a spontaneous night out, but it truly ended up to be um, a living nightmare. Um, it was really tough for me to, to go through. I went through the darkest time of my entire life. Um, I felt like my world was tumbling down. I was um, extremely depressed. I isolated myself. And there were many moments where I, I didn't want to be alive. So um, change was huge. Um, it forced me to change although I just wasn't ready for it because it just happened. Um, and who the heck is ready for something that dramatic to happen? So um, my strength was absolutely tested, and um, I am better because of it. And it's so hard for some to understand, but in my shoes, I feel like the pain I've experienced has really helped me become stronger in ways I never imagined. And, and I also feel like because of the pain I experienced, it's really made me stronger to, to overcome any future adversity. So again, if somebody didn't catch the video earlier this week of you doing your talk, you were catapulted from your car 50 some yards out into the, the great blue sky, landed and in the process, your right arm was severed just below the shoulder joint, multiple scratches, bumps, and bruises. Friends gathered around you, and you were um, locked inside for a moment where you couldn't breathe, couldn't talk, 
couldn't figure out what it was. And I love in your book the way you go through that like first, I don't know if it was 24 hours of trying to just get your feet on the ground, so to speak, like, okay, what's going on? A minute ago, I was in the car, I saw a car in front of me, hydroplane, it started to turn, I reacted. Next thing, my friends are screaming at me, then I'm in an ambulance, then I'm looking for my mom and dad. It's interesting when I read it, because it feels like a long time and a short time. How long did it take you to, okay, right arm is missing. They mean it's like gone. Like how long did it take for that moment to like really connect? You know what? I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it even connected. Like when the doctors, I remember the team of doctors coming um, to my um, hospital bed and mentioning that um, they had to amputate my arm. And I was like, okay. Um, it did not process at all. Um, the first thing I asked, actually, the doctors were, are my friends okay? Or are they okay? Because I knew that I was still alive. But I just wanted to make sure that, you know, the two in the car were okay. And they were, thank God. Um, they had some injuries, but minor injuries. But it did not process until I feel like a couple of days later, you know, the care that I was given at the hospital the amazing staff of nurses that were coming in to care for me and wrapping my my injury, and um, they needed to do several different uh, surgeries on taking skin from my upper right thigh and taking that skin for a skin graft on my right arm. So I think when I was going through those surgeries, then it finally hit me. But um, you're right. As soon as they told me that, um, I... As soon as they told me that, um, it definitely did not, did not um, connect. So when you, so again, I, I, I loved reading your book because it was, you know, my mom is coming in the room and she's worried about me and I'm worried about my dad and I'm taking care of everybody around me. Is that your nature or was that just a way of sort of stepping out of the moment and not having will tell you that I'm always concerned about people around me and making sure they're comfortable, making sure they're in, in good spirits. Um, so that's just me naturally. But I feel like um, during that time, I was just trying to process so many different emotions. And and um, it was just a mix of both, to be honest with you. Just thinking about it makes me slightly emotional. But um, yeah, it was just, it was a roller coaster of emotions trying to step out and trying to make sure that they were okay, but then trying to tell myself that I was okay and trying to make light of the situation because uh, I was still alive. So there was just so many different emotions going on, to be honest with you. Well, and, you know, I think I would probably be the one who has to go into sort of an isolation kind of thing where I would be like, I'm sorry, I'm done. I'm out. You all need to leave the room. You sort of, in your book, allude to that happened after you started to get home and you started to realize that you said, you know what, I can't be seen by the world. You're absolutely right. Um, uh, when coming home from the hospital, I started to feel very bitter. I was going through depression. I was, um, I was angry um, and it was exhausting being bitter, but that's when I started um, isolating myself and uh, not really wanting to have anything to do with anyone. Um, so that led to many different uh, bad decisions that I made. Um, but I went through that for a, a, a long period, to be honest with you. And um, it was exhausting. It was draining. There were many nights where I would cry myself to sleep and wake up crying again. And it was just an awful, awful way to live. Um, so I speak about it briefly in my book, but um, I had um, some pretty negative situations that happened to me, and and that's what led me to reaching my turning point and just want to be better instead of being bitter. Well, and I think, so as we were talking earlier, that going from bitter 
to better doesn't happen like, oh, I took a better pill and I'm feeling so much better now and everything is gonna be better now that I'm taking my better pills. Was there someone that just walked up and sort of slapped you on the back of the head and said, we're done with this. You either need to make a decision or we're leaving. Or was there an event where you were like, okay, this has got to end because I can't keep up like this. You know what? Um, I wish it was as easy as taking a better pill. That would be very neat, but um, unfortunately not. It was a combination of things. I was becoming very angry and very bitter. And uh, there was an incident that I speak about in my book, but um, actually got in trouble with the law. I ended up in jail. Um, I was, you know, uh, slapped with an assault charge. So it was humiliating. It was, um, it was a clear sign that I was being defeated by all the anger I was feeling. And I was definitely on the losing end. Um, but going through that made me realize even more that regardless what happened to me, if I continue to act out from being bitter and being angry, um, that I would completely lose. So that was huge and really just starting to be so lonely because I did not want anyone around me. I felt like no one understood what I was going through. Um, so, you know, it was a combination of things that made me just realize that I just wanted to be better. I knew that I was still a good person inside, but all of that loneliness and anger and bitterness was creeping up and just taking over. So I just decided I wanted to be a better version of myself. So it took a lot of time. It took so much dedication. It took a lot of effort. And there were many times where I wanted to give up because it wasn't easy, but I kept going. And um, I'm here now and I feel like I am definitely better. I have to say, I love the um, part in the book where you talk about sitting with your girlfriends having a, a drink and all of a sudden you're being hauled out onto the street and handcuffed to a bike rack. It's like, it's like okay, that didn't turn out the way we planned it for the evening. Absolutely not. It was extremely humiliating. I remember um, being handcuffed and I was wearing my prosthesis and it was so embarrassing because my prosthesis was slowly falling off and oh my god I just remember people walking by and whispering and talking and looking and it was it was horrible <laughs> I mean think about it now it just ugh, gives me anxiety <laughs> I, I could just imagine had it fallen off and somebody like ma'am does that belong to you no that's a left I'm a right um <laughs> so yeah uh, I know. I'm sorry. You know, so uh, here's the thing, though, and I think you point that out in your book that you realize that if you made the joke, brought the attention to it, showed people that it wasn't something they're not supposed to talk about, then that whole awkward moment would go by so much faster. Yeah, you know what, um, after my recovery, when I was feeling better and more secure about myself and um, I, I was in a place where I was able to poke fun at it because it can be awkward, right? And it can be um, very uncomfortable for me um, going through that. So I just learned to poke fun at it because I feel like the situation already happened. Um, and it, it, it's kind of fun, you know? It's kind of fun being able to help help people, make people laugh and forget about whatever problems or issues they have for a few minutes and just to be able to entertain people and make them feel comfortable because it's strange but I don't mind putting myself out there to make others feel better um, and it's it's super weird but I do that all the time and um, yeah I just I just want the people around me to feel good and to be happy and to be able to laugh well I think it also helps like I said, my daughter is differently able to say, I don't know, pick a word that fits the political genre. And sometimes people are like, are we allowed to talk about, it's almost like they look at me like, you know that she's like, and I'm like, people, I live with this. Like, anything you say is not gonna surprise me. 
Like my daughter, because she is, you know, one-handed, will often come out of the bathroom with her dress in her underwear because she can't reach all the way behind her to get it out yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah. at least she got the underwear up. And people are like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you said that. I'm like, if that was the worst moment of my day, I am blessed. <laughs> so, so sometimes having that humor allows people to realize that we're just working our way through it. And if we talk about it, we work it through. And I think we all have our own little quirks or disabilities or oddities that if we would just stop trying to hide them and just acknowledge them, we could move into authentic relationships so much faster. I couldn't agree more, and you're absolutely right. And I feel like, you know, when there are situations that have happened to us in life, um, make the best of it. And, you know, if you're able to poke fun at it, just don't take things so seriously because things could always be so much worse. Um, but I couldn't agree more. Very well said. And do you have the same problem with your dress and your pants? I do. Luckily, I have a really awesome husband. Shout out to Foo, my husband. Like, he is my right-hand man, and he helps me with a ton. Um, you know, there are some things that I've learned to do differently. There are some things I've learned to not purchase that may be more difficult for me to wear or put on or, you know, whatever the case is. But it's a learning process. Every single day, I'm learning. I'm learning to do things differently. I'm trying to be creative. Uh, you and I will have, you know, you and I could do the same thing, but you would probably do it a lot faster. I would get there and take a few detours, but it's all about, you know, uh, just trying to do my best and trying to, trying to attain a good goal. And I may get there a little bit slower, but I'll get there. Well, and I think as you point out in your book, you had to start not only re rewiring your habits, but also your expectations. Like, okay, I can do it. I just can't do it the way I used to. So therefore, how am I going to do it? And do I need to do it? Absolutely. You know, um, I go through uh, challenges every single day of my entire life. Like there are numerous challenges I have, but there are many times where I choose not to speak about it because I feel like if I do, it's no use because there's nothing I can do about the situation. So I just kind of move on with my day and try to make the best of it. However, um, to circle back to your question, yeah, I had to retrain my brain. There are many things that I do differently, obviously, with one hand versus having two. Um, but um, it's just, it's my life now, just being creative, watching someone do something and think in my head, how could I do that differently? Or how could I do that maybe even better with one hand, right? So um, it's interesting because a lot of my friends and family will do something, we'll do an exercise or we'll do something, whatever it may be. And they're like, wow, you're faster than me. And I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it is, uh, I just embrace it to be honest with you. And so how is that yeah. problem solving skill of, you know, getting dressed and putting on makeup kind of thing? translated into your professional life or outside of like the physical but into I know you're a coach as well right so I feel like um, everything that I have been challenged with um, with my disability I guess you can say all the challenges it's actually helped me grow in ways I've never imagined um, I'm definitely more compassionate I see my perspective has completely changed. So I feel like that spills over in every aspect of my life. And in coaching as well, um, speaking, you know, and writing, um, wh whatever you can think of, I feel like it has helped me be better. It, it has helped me evolve. And um, it, it's crazy to say, but I'm better because of what's happened. Which, now granted, you'd love to have it all go back in time and never happen. But I think that's part of the healing journey is like, okay, because I'm here, how do I go to where I want to go based on this starting point, not the starting point that I wish I had? Absolutely. You know, um, I feel like one, uh, one main factor of me moving forward in my recovery was accepting my identity. And in my book, um, I talk about, 
five steps in my coaching program and how to peel back the layers in order to uh, experience full joy, true joy. And one main factor in order for me to move forward was to really accept my new reality. Um, I was at a place where I just didn't want to accept it, and that's why I would start self-medicating. I was, you know, isolating myself. I didn't want to speak to anyone, and that was truly so hard for me to do, was accept my new reality. But when I was able to finally do that, it just, it just really opened up my heart. It opened uh, me up completely to the different perspective, and that's when I was able to finally be innovative, be creative. And I think and that, know that I just need to do things differently. I think that's sort of we talked on that earlier this weekend, Success Life Live, where it's you are here. You're not over there. You're not down there. You're not up here. You're not under there. You're here. So accept this as your new reality, your current resources, your tools and techniques that you have here, not that you want to have, and now figure out what you're going to do to go next. I love it. That's so true. You must accept your identity and be present in the moment. Like this is, this is, this is what's going on at this moment and how can you make it better, right? Because um, one of the layers uh, to peel back in order to experience full joy um, is also um, being present in the moment. I feel like many times, and this is what I suffered from as well, was thinking about the past. When I had, you know, two hands or, you know, if I did, right? But none of that matters because that's not going to happen. This is my true identity right now. I have one left hand and I've lost my dominant arm and I have to move on. So being able to truly accept that and embrace it helped shifted my energy to move forward. And it was crucial in my recovery. I think there's a really big point, you guys, when it said, I stopped focusing on the task and what, because I just need, like, I love the way you said that, that I had to stop focusing on the task and more about what I needed to get done. So often we get caught up in the minutia of, well, you know, how do I do this and where should I click for this? And very much like this technology that we're trying to figure out today, that we could have gotten lost in the technology instead of what we wanted to deliver or create, which was a vehicle for somebody to hear your story. I see that often with my daughter who, like I said, is missed, is got a lazy right arm. I don't even explain to her how to get things done. I just say, you need to get this trash can down to the street. It's Friday morning. Like, I don't know how you're going to do it, but it's the expectation. Having that physical disability has almost forced you to stop microtasking and just start achieving. Absolutely. Um, you know, you just got to stand strong and continue to figure out ways to how to get things done um, and stay creative, be creative, you know, um, and stay innovative. So it's tough. Uh, once again, every day is a huge challenge. There's many challenges. I don't even speak about to anyone, but they're just for me to know about. And, you know, I feel like every day is a new day for, for me to do it differently, to do better and be better. So it's interesting that you said you have new challenges every day that you don't even speak to people about. Why? I feel like if I were to talk about certain things that I wasn't able to do, it just makes me depressed. It makes me sad. If every day I complain about it, then it may put me back into a negative space. And to be honest with you, to me, in my mind, it may not be for everyone. So I'm speaking in my own terms. I feel like, why complain about it if there's nothing I can do about it, right? Just try to find a different way to do things. If, it, if, if you can't do it, then do something different, right? So I feel like um, in my world, at least, uh, I talk about it at times, don't get me wrong, but there are most of the time where I just try to figure things out on my own and to keep going. So it's interesting, and I kind of understand that because it's like, look, you know, I, it's got to be solved. You guys wouldn't be able to solve it because you don't understand all of the physical mechanics as well as all of the other pieces. So even telling you it isn't going to provide a solution. So why am I about, you know, 
So it's not like you're seeking solutions when you're complaining. And I think sometimes we do that. We, we, we complain pretending we're asking for solutions, but the reality is we're the only solution provider in that circumstance. When you have to ask for help, because I'm sorry, putting up a ladder is probably not easy or, you know, pulling the Christmas tree out of the box. How do you get past that? Like, oh, my God, I'm so sick of asking for help and just asking for help. You know what? That was difficult for me as well in the beginning because I'm super independent and I love doing things on my own. That's just me. That's how... I was born and raised. However, that was a huge factor for me as well, asking for help because I felt like it made me look weak. Um, I was being so vulnerable. However, um, now I'm okay with it. I, I realize that the people around me love me and they want me to succeed. And if there's something that I'm unable to do, then I ask for a hand. <laughs> That's <for him. laughs> no, so, so then I'll ask for help. I, I have really I have a really good support system. I have really good friends, great family, great coworkers. Um, I mean, you name it. So I feel like I'm okay with asking for help now. But that was very difficult to do in the beginning. But that's something you just have to realize on your own that it's okay to ask for help. We all need help. We just need to speak up and ask for it. People and, are more than happy to help you. And I think when we ask for help, we have to understand that it doesn't mean we're helpless. It just means that I need assistance with this task. I'm not fully resourced to complete it in the way that I want. And you appear to have additional resources that will aid me. That's all it is. You know, so many people are like, well, I just don't want to think them to think I'm helpless. It's like, no, you just need an additional resource and I happen to have them available, so to speak. Absolutely. Yep. You got it. Ask for help as you need to. It doesn't make you look weak. It doesn't make you look helpless. Um, you just need an additional resource. Yeah. So your book again, um, I'm, I'm trying to do better with that. Um, one arm, but not unarmed. And I know it's up on Amazon. Um, and it's over on your website too, isn't it? It is. It is on my website at BBNB, which is Be Better Not Dinner, BBNBCoaching.com. There's a link to purchase it on Amazon. It actually just got picked up by Walmart. It's actually gone international as well. So that's super cool. Um, and uh, just pick it up and read it. I feel like it's a, it's a good read and uh, I'm completely transparent in there as well. So I hope everyone enjoys it. So we're going to go down the aisles at Walmart and see it? Well, actually, it's on walmart.com. Oh, well, that's still pretty cool. It really is. So so you could order it on walmart.com and have it in your grocery bag when you go to pick up your Walmart groceries and have a good read and dinner all at the same time. Yep, there you go. There you go. So coaching, I know a lot of us work on different areas of coaching. What is the area of coaching that you're, that you're most excited about? Yeah, so I uh, love helping um, individuals overcome adversity and turn it into their advantage. Um, I feel like I am able to resonate with people that have been through traumatic experiences. Um, my current coaching clients have gone through different traumatic experiences, whether it be the loss of a loved one or, you know, feeling defeated by life or, I mean, the list goes on. So my hope and my, my purpose in life, I feel like, is to help people shift their energy uh, to no longer be bitter and to be better. Um, and I love what I do. I love the feedback. I'm receiving the testimonials from my clients and, um, you know, any other platform I'm able to spread my message. I do, whether it be through speaking engagements, um, coaching, uh, or more writing. So I'm super excited about that. I know. And it's, it's like I said, I posted your um, YouTube video. Where was that one done? That was actually done at an event called Bed Talk. Um, the corporate office of Mattress Firm has a annual um, national leadership event. And um, that was my first speaking engagement. So that, and it was in front of 
close to 1,400 people. Yeah, you write about it in the book. You did phenomenal for for it. I mean, you, clearly you, some of those bedheads were moved and inspired based on the audience reaction. Um. It, it was uh, it was it, it was a phenomenal experience. Um, oh wow, the energy was awesome. And leading up to the event, I was so nervous. Um, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to share my story because I knew I was going to be completely vulnerable, but I did it. And it felt great. And I got so much feedback from that. I've been doing, you know, of uh, speaking engagements after that. I have one coming up at uh, Association Talent Development. And um, I recently did a TED Talk on Gradient Shades of Pain, how to recognize your pain, how to confront your pain, and embrace your pain in order to heal. Wow. So I love being able... Yes. Um, so the TED Talk should be released hopefully soon. Um, but yeah, I'm just excited to continue sharing my message. I, I know it's a good one. It's valuable. It's very powerful. So it's, it's my purpose in life. Well, and I have to say that um, you're a phenomenal speaker. When I watched your the one we're referencing, um, the one at the mattress uh, convention, um, you 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 keep enough humor that it takes because you know it's, it's a you lost your arm you were in prison because you had anger management issues though you still deny it i'm sure your husband will say eh, she could go back for a refresher course um those kind of things you 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 keep it comfortable but you also take us on a journey of understanding that you know what we've all got a bitter moment now we have to make a choice to move beyond it. And I love the fact that you made that choice of like, look, I'm going to be bitter or I'm going to be better. I've got to figure this out and I've got to do it quick because I'm sinking fast. You're absolutely right. I feel like we're all tested at one point or another in life. We all have adversity and all of us, I'm sure at one moment or another felt like giving up. It's tough. But once again, um, I, put myself out there because I know it. I know it inspires others. And I know that because of the feedback I've received after the event, people are running up to me and hugging me, people I didn't know and were sharing their story with me. And this is what happened to me when I was younger. And, you know, this is, this is another scenario. And, oh, wow, I knew at that moment that I needed to continue spreading my message. Um, so it's been a great journey and it's only the beginning. And, um, I just want to give people hope and really help people overcome adversity. Well, I think, like I said, I, I love this morning, all the, the chaos and confusion of getting live and checking to see if the technology is working. For those of you who may have not and got, may not and gotten, I don't know what sentence that is, may have <laughs> not gotten a notice that we're live. There's another feed and then there's this and, I'll put it all together in one common place. But I think the thing with all these Fun Friend Fridays that I want people to take away is that we all have a story and that story has significance. And we're living that story because not only is it a lesson for us, but it's an opportunity to guide and teach others moving forward that however you can find to get that story out start getting that story out stop trying to perfect that story instead start sharing it and perfecting it in process your story is it, you know i can't imagine can't imagine 22 waking up and having to deal with all that goes with it and, and continuing to be positive you um, as you said, uh, your husband is your right-hand man. Um, he seems like a wonderful man, the way you talk about him in the book. Like, he didn't even really acknowledge that it was an issue. When you're together, do you share with him those frustrations, or have you just decided that's just not where you want your, your, your life to be centered? 
my daily frustrations or when we first met? Clarify that for me. Dailies, dailies. He would be the only one that hears that. Um, you know, normally, I mean, he is my go-to. He is my cheerleader. He is. He does it all, to be honest with you. So he does hear it. However, there are some things I just keep to myself because I don't want to sound like a broken record. And I feel like there's nothing anyone can do if I were to share. So I don't want to bring them down um, or frustrate them. So he'll hear some of it. But there's some things that just aren't worth mentioning, to be honest with you. And that's just me. Um, but, yeah, he is amazing. He he actually entered my life. Um, short, I lost my I, – I call him my angel on earth because without, without his energy and his push, I truly don't believe I would be where I'm at today. I love that. Yeah, I, you tell a story in your book about how you guys kind of got in a fight or – a tiff and he had to drive clear across six hours town to just like, okay, we're not ending this and you're not picking up the phone. <laughs> yeah. That was so sweet. That's when I knew I completely fell in love with him. Um, he literally drove six hours in the middle of the night and he got, he was knocking on my friend's door at five, six AM. And I was like, what the heck? And literally stayed. We had breakfast. We went to go eat at the Waffle House. Um, we hung out, we talked, he stayed for about two hours and hopped in the car and drove right back to New Orleans. And I was like, I love him. He's a keeper. (laughs) So what's next in your journey? What's next in my journey? Well, I would love to continue to, to coach uh, people on, you know, being better. I would love to continue spreading my message to the world about pain and how important it is to recognize it. Uh, to confront the pain, to embrace the pain, because pain actually can benefit you in ways you've never imagined. And it sounds crazy to even process, but it, it, it can be true if, if your heart's in it and if you want to be better. So I want to continue spreading my message on being better, on how pain can actually um, help your life and help you be better. Um, I am interested in writing a second book, um, be better, but geared towards the youth. I feel like right now with social media and the crazy world that we live in, um, growing up can be tough, right? Uh, Growing up can be super hard and accepting your identity and really embracing who you are and not forgetting how special you are inside. Uh, Because right now there's so many social media comparisons and all all of this crazy internet stuff. So I want to help adolescents maintain that positive inside voice, that positive inner voice, and to help them make better decisions at a younger age because little things can be such big things to them. Um, I just want to be able to help guide them and remind them that they're freaking amazing, that they're special, that they're beautiful. Um, So I am interested in writing a second book. So I'm super excited about that. and just to continue speaking and coaching. And uh, who else knows? I mean, I'm open. I just I just really want to leave a positive impact and leave a legacy. So I am open to doing uh, whatever it may be. Well, I think you have already begun to leave a legacy. Now you're just going to magnify it. Thank you. That means a lot, Eric. No, I, I, I truly, it, you know, I, I love your humor. I love your honesty and your candor um, in reading your book. I was like, man, if I was her parents, I would have kicked her out of the basement apartment a long time ago that you really didn't hide that, you know, for a while you were a mess and it wasn't going in the right direction. And that getting out of that place didn't just happen because you watched an affirmation video or, you know, you went to a, a weekend seminar and everything changed overnight. You really discussed the process of, going from bitter to better is a journey that you continually have to keep in process that you still even every day like you know as you said i have challenges every day that could turn me bitter and i have to focus on the better and so i think that's a wonderful legacy and your co-workers and the people around you must gain from seeing that example thank you so much and it was so hard uh, something personal i'd like to share is writing that book and going through the process, there were 
nights where I would wake up in a cold sweat and I have those nightmares all over again. I have dreams where I was, you know, still young and so beautiful and I had two arms and I'd wake up and it was missing and I would have emotional breakdowns. But I knew that if I wanted to write a powerful book and to and for it to be authentic, I needed to reach back and go through the pain again in order to write the book. So that means so much to me that you enjoyed it, that you were able to see how much love and um, authenticity I put into it. So thank you, Eric. No, it, it truly is. And I, I, I feel like your mother deserves a few extra Mother's Day cards. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> <because> <laughs> I, I just see this image of her like, going, Lord, Lord. I'm about to put that child on the street. <laughs> I'm about to put that child. I don't care. You are right. I don't care if she ain't got right. no arms. She going on the street. She keep acting like this. <laughs> You're a nut. I love you, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. Thank you for being my guest. Um, everybody, thank you for joining us for today's Success Life Live. I know it was a fun friend Friday. We kind of did it a little differently that's growing and getting out of her comfort zone. I can't think of a better guest to teach us about doing something in a different way than you, Susan, because you do things differently every day. I do, and I appreciate your time. I appreciate people tuning in. Please check out my book if you have an opportunity to do that. It's on Walmart, um, walmart.com. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. If you just Google my name, there's tons of different platforms you can purchase it at. And if you haven't checked out my video, feel free to go to YouTube and check out my video. It's Susan Wynn, hashtag be better. I believe my TED Talk should be um, released very soon as well. I can't wait to see that one. And I'll repost the link for the other one in this feed because I love the other one. I appreciate it. And if there's anything I can do for anyone, feel free to reach out to me at bbnbcoaching.com. And I wish you all the best. I really do. Everybody have a great day. I will see you Monday on another Success Life Live. Bye-bye, everybody. Happy Friday. Bye. Well, like I told you, there was a bit of a blooper reel in the middle there and things seemed to have bounced off track. But overall, I hope you enjoyed this edition of Fun Friend Friday, which is each and every Friday on the Facebook page, Eric G. Reed. So join us next Friday for another edition of Fun Friend Friday. In the meantime, continue to subscribe, like, follow, do what you do through Facebook, YouTube, and uh, here on the podcast. Till we get together next time, go out and live your life with success. It is yours and you are fully worthy of it, my friends. Fully worthy of it. You've reached the end of another episode of the Success Life Live with your host, Eric G. Reed. Remember to stay connected with us at ericgreed.com for updates on events and teaching. Till next time, go out and live your life of success.